Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend, my partner in radio, Ronald J. Martin. Ron, we are without our boy today. We're without Barnabas Piper. Uh, he's out traveling, saving the world, doing Piper things. The world needs to be saved, doggone it. I hope he's successful in that. Mm. I really hope mm. he, like, you know what? You know what would be a good business trip for Piper? If he goes out and in the span of a couple of days, like restores baseball, um, I don't know, get, makes it so that we can go back to movies and restaurants, and you know, gets football back on track. Just yeah, if you could, if you could go ahead and do that, pipe while you're out. That, yeah, just take care of that in your spare. Just take care of all that, whatever stuff. it is you're doing, yeah. whatever reason you couldn't be with us. Yeah, that's right, man. But here we are again, baby, having to like carry this thing on our own as we've done so many times in the past, dude. Um, and that doesn't bother me. I mean, it's, I'm not intimidated by it. Uh, in fact, baby, we got, I like it. I embrace the challenge, you know, um, you and I we're we're radio pros. We'll do whatever's asked for us, whatever we need to do for the sponsors. We always step up. We do, dude. We always step up to the plate and baby today. I thought we could talk a little bit, um, just about the creative process. Um, people get mad when we get too sportsy. People get mad when we get too down, down nabby ish. People are fickle, baby. People are just, yeah, they are. they're tough to they please. But I feel like we do have some like creative types that listen to the program. We've got some musicians, some writers, some film type people. Yeah. And um, I just kind of want to talk about it because you and I have a lot of like personality overlap. And I think we approach the creative process in a pretty similar way. But I wanted to kind of talk about how for you making records maybe has differed from like making a movie for me and and how the mm. how the whole book thing works because I'll I'll be yeah. honest with you dude so like my dream and this is when I was young and I didn't know anything right so this is like early college graduate I'm in my early 20s I decide I want to write I start chipping away at some some stuff with ESPN and start thinking about books and mm-hmm. I always thought dude books will be like apex mountain because I can work all by myself you know I can I can yeah. do it my way I can do it by myself Little did I know there would be like agents and editors and just all kinds of people to please and and marketing people once the book's done and so so it is wildly collaborative, um, you know. But still, there's those sweet moments where you do get to be alone with the material and you get to kind of shape it. But um, I wondered how like what it looked like making a record for you like back in the day as 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 it pertains to like how open to collaboration were you how like kind of iconoclastic and, and loner-ish were you? And what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, it was 100% like lonerism, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, because, you know, so the nature of the kind of music I did, it wasn't very, at least at the time, it is a little bit more now, but it wasn't very like jam-oriented, yeah. right? So it's just me in a room with all kinds of, uh, you know, equipment, synths and, yeah. and stuff, electronics. So it just it just didn't really lend itself for collaboration. Although, God, you know, again, a lot of guys collaborate, you know, within that particular style. But for me, it was really about just having, you know, I, I would write the songs and then I would spend months upon months sort of producing them in my own studio. I always had a home studio. So it was just something that did not open itself up to collaboration. Yeah. And I think I was most comfortable with that. Now, when you got to things like, you know, mixing the record or getting into, you know, the artwork, yeah. you know, I was, I was signed to a label. So it, it had to be a collaborative thing when it got to those ends. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I still had total artistic control over all of those ends. So basically it was a matter of working with like a, a graphic design company yeah. 
whether it was in-house or somebody they would hire in. And it was just basically, so the collaboration was them coming to me saying, what are you thinking about? What do you want? And me sending them a bunch of ideas. And then that's, that's so, that was about as collaborative as the record making process got. But that's, that's, that was really by choice. Yeah. Um, because I just felt like there was nobody else out there. And again, this is, this is part of my Enneagram four, but there was nobody else out there that was going to understand what it was that I was trying to do. Yeah. So collaboration was never going to be incredibly helpful for me. Although in hindsight, I mean, I look back and I go, Oh man, I see all kinds of places where that would have for sure, like benefited me. Yeah, you know, no, no question. But again, I was younger, and you know, and, and all those kinds of things happen. Where it's like I was just so scared that I wasn't going to get to get to produce or create the end product that I had in my head. And collaboration, this is what's weird, felt like a threat to that. Oh, sure, yeah, um, me too, dude. Yeah, definitely. In the early yeah. years, collaboration felt like it was a that that word had very negative connotations. You know, yeah, for sure, and and it's like, and I th I think it was the nature of what I did because it wasn't a band; it was me. Yeah. Now, when I went on the road, I had a band, sure, but they were just playing what I already produced and what the record, you know, already was. But man, just in terms of like, okay, I got these songs that I've poured over, I've written. It's like I'm not. It wasn't really about inviting someone in to help me translate. <laughs> yeah, those exactly. exactly. Yeah, it was just like it was like how, like that just feels crazy to me. Now, if would I, if I would have worked with a couple of guys in a band format where we would have put together these songs in a more collaborative fashion. That would have made sense, but again, it was a it was a weird kind of music where that didn't really, it didn't really lend itself to yeah. that. And um, so, collaboration to me always felt threatening. And then um, moving, you know, moving forward, and we can get to this yeah. later. But moving forward, even into pastoring, prepping sermons, you know, preparing talks. I mean, it kind of continued into that. Although I would say I'm I'm far more collaborative, oddly enough, with those things now than I ever was with. Um, with music yeah. because I don't really don't look at preaching and talks like it's my baby. Sure. You know, it's more like, Hey, like, you know, I'll, I'll sit down with big M. I'm like, Hey, here's some things I got. Can you just feed into yeah. it? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, give me some, give me some thoughts. Like I'm, I'm just, I'm wide open. With well, dude, and probably but some of that's, music, some yeah, of that's maturity too. You know, I think I'm, well, I think it, I think, I it, think I'm much yeah. more open to collaboration now than I was like 15 years ago. You know, tell me about, okay. So tell me about what, what I said about collaboration feeling almost threatening. How yeah. did that affect you? Well, dude, I have a uh, I have a comment and then a question. Um, but first, I want to talk about our sponsor, baby. I almost forgot this. Nice. Our sponsor is Harvest House Publishing, and uh, it's a book by a new book, new book by the boy, uh, by Ted Cluck nice. called "The Outstanding Life of an Awkward Theater Kid." Funny story about this baby. Um, so this is a uh, this is a graphic novel. It's about theater. Um, it's the second in a series. Uh, the first one was, uh, the extraordinary life of a mediocre jock. This one is the outstanding life of an awkward theater kid again by harvest house. Um, funny story. So when COVID hit, um, they, they just kind of went dark, dude. Harvest house went dark. Mm. We were having all these great, like, you know how in the lead up to a book release, you have all the big like conference calls with all the marketing people and all the people you've never yeah. met in real life. And they all yeah. get on a real like crackly, like really crappy audio like conference call and they're throwing ideas out and you're like, Oh man, this is going to be big. You know, this, this feels good. Yeah. This is going to be the one, uh, everybody's, convinced, everybody's right? convinced dude. One. It's like the NFL draft. Everybody's going to retire. Everybody's going to the one. Super Bowl after this one. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's Frankie Chan. Everybody's Frankie Chan. Everybody's getting the lake house after this graphic novel drops. <laughs> so then, so we have all those calls. Everybody's feeling good. Um, and then COVID hits, and they're they're up in the Pacific Northwest. I think they're in like Portlandia, actually. Oh, and uh, dude, so their their town is probably being taken over by like I don't know 
idealistic like protesters and rioters and i don't even know if they have an office anymore but um they kind of went dark for a while and um i didn't know what was happening with my book release and like none of the influencers had gotten copies none of the like launch team people had gotten copies and dude are you yeah dude so come to find out they just like shuttered the office for like three months and finally, like they're they're coming out of hibernation and getting back up to speed. Wow. So we're kind of going to do a second release on uh, on this book. But people should check it out. Uh, it's very funny. It's a graphic novel written for like uh, middle school age readers. No sort of Tolkienian fantastic created worlds. Nothing like that. Uh, it's just about a kid who goes to school and has a lot of the problems that uh, that we had and have. And uh, there's some gospel stuff in there too. So. So, baby, is it kind of a re-release? So it was already released, and they're going to do kind of a re-release. Well, dude, in, in true Ted Cluck fashion, and this is just how lucky I am in life, baby, just how things always fall into place for me. Oh, absolutely. I'm already Yeah, the book release was basically like the week of COVID. Like, we released COVID oh. on Twitter, and like my book kind of followed. And, um, yeah. you know, there, there was just no room for Big T's little graphic novel. And the, if only you could have gotten like COVID on the cover. If I could have gotten, if I could, like a, if I could have. A mediocre theater kid like in COVID. In, the, in a mask. Like, if I could have put him in a mask on the yeah, cover. Totally, absolutely. With a, like a t-shirt yeah. that said shelter in place. Uh, I, absolutely. Shelter oh, yes, at home. Only. Yeah, yeah. You missed such a great opt. Dude, totally, it, yeah. dude. Totally, yeah. I gotta, gotta, gotta capture some of that energy, you know, the next time around. But, uh, but at any rate, we've partnered with, uh, with Jeff Bezos and his little company, Amazon. He's been amazing to work with as always. Just what a great dude, man. Salt of the earth, Jeff. Um, yeah, Jeff, Jeff's a great guy. We've, uh, we've had a lot of good time, but dude, the thing is like, they're selling it, they're selling the book. And if you buy it via Jeff's company, Amazon, uh, a little bit of the proceeds go to me, a little bit of the proceeds go to them. And, um, yeah, that's, that's. Baby, I've never heard of Amazon, man. Can you uh, can you describe? Dude, it's it? crazy. I mean, it it used to be like just a bookshop, like an online bookshop, and now okay. they sell literally everything. So you should check it out, man. Oh, they did. Yeah, the URL there is www.amazon.com. Um, oh, okay, lots cool. of products, dude. Lots of great products. But uh, yes, yeah, my question, man, my question, and then I'm going to answer your question. Yeah, lay it out. Is uh, and I was going to do this off the air, but I forgot, and so now I'm going to do it on the air. Are we going to collab a little uh, a little score for Silverdome? Is that still in the works? Yeah, absolutely. Nice, baby. Oh, absolutely. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still uh, I'm still putting together the new studio yeah. and uh, it's uh, I'm getting close, but I've just you know things kind of obviously you know as it shut down for your book, yeah. it's shut down for this a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So I'm 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 real close, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a look and a listen, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put something together. It's gonna be dude. Good. You know what I need to do? Not to gosh, not to be that awkward friend. I just realized how bad this is gonna sound, but. Uh-oh. What if I finagled a couple days up in up in A Town, man? You and I could get into the. Well, I mean, that would be. We could get into the studio together, and uh, and that'd be fantastic. Work, yeah, work some magic on this thing, and uh, it would be the kind of collab where this is the kind of collaborator I am. I don't ever tell like anybody what to do who's outside of my realm of expertise. Like, I only know how to do two things in this world. Like I'm a writer and a football coach. That's it. I literally have yeah, nothing else to it. offer. So yeah, yeah, there's nothing like the artists on my graphic novels. People are always like, "Oh, did you did you provide like some sketches or some direction?" I'm like, "Nope, that's their job." <laughs> like, I literally just sent them the story, and uh, I sent them the story. The hard note. Yeah, the the artwork was great, um, and it, it will be the same with uh, with Silverdome. But yeah, baby, to answer your question, like early in my career, I think collaboration was always a, a super negative word. It and and this is insecurity talking, right? And this is immaturity yeah, totally. in the Lord talking. There was always a sense of 
well, wow, if we have to collaborate, that must mean that like my thing wasn't good enough on its own. And so I always felt really threatened by the idea of like, you know, you get those editors, you get those like acquisitions editors and publishing who really like want to roll up their sleeves and, you know, rip the work to pieces. And I always dreaded those people, man. And even like, even before that doing magazine work, you know, with, with ESPN and other places, just getting the real hand, the real handsy like editor was always the nightmare. But, uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, man, by God's grace, I think I think I've grown in that as I've gotten older and also as I've seen how editorial can really move a book forward. And, you know, it's it's happened enough times where they've suggested some changes and I've been like, oh, yeah, that really that really does kind of make sense. Um, You know, and I, I think it's a combination of age, hopefully sanctification, hopefully like just, you know, the Lord shaving away at my ego and chipping it away so that I can be more like him. But, um, but yeah, now it's an easier thing. And now it's funny, man, with the movie, like it's been really collaborative. That has been frustrating at times, but by and large, when I think about releasing the picture, I just really get happy because I think about celebrating it with all those guys, like all the, all the guys who I did this with and we all, we all were pulling and sacrificing in the same direction and we all had disappointments, but at the end of the day, when it drops, it's going to be really exciting and I'll have people to celebrate it with, you know, it won't just be me. Yeah. It's just so you have something to share. I mean, honestly, you know, one of the first things I actually collaborated on was the first book we did back in 20, I guess, 12. Really? That was one of your first collabs uh, in life. I mean, yeah, I'd done a, man, I had done a, I'd done a couple of records with some, one with my brother back in 08 and then, uh, the Foxglove hunt, you know, some of the stuff you've heard with a guy named Rob with him out of Arizona. And, um, so I'd done some of that and that was really fun for me because I had, I sort of let my guard down a little bit to do that. Mm -hmm. And I just realized, oh man, there's so much less pressure when you actually have somebody else in the mix. And then even writing that book with you, it was like, oh man, okay. So we can, we can like come together on something. I don't have the pressure of writing like 10 chapters. I can just write four or five chapters. And, um, and then I think what you just said kind of nailed it, which is like, it's so much more fun to be able to celebrate it with somebody rather than it just being this like solo thing. Right. Because you don't have anybody to celebrate with when it's just your own thing. Well, and to be clear, not that we've ever had anything to celebrate together. I mean, we, (laughs) I mean, we've celebrated the release. That's true. That's true. But, um, yeah, no, we didn't, we have not celebrated massive sales. That's right. You know, yeah, we're true. not, we're not buying but, um, but, together yet, baby. But yeah, not quite yet. I mean, we do have a lake house, but just the, the boats haven't been able to accomplish. Scooters, baby? Vespas, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I'm, st- I, well, I I'm think, still waiting for I that think evening. We're there. I think we're there. I think it's yeah. time. I think it is time. It's time. I think it is time. Exactly. So, um, no, you're right, man. It, um, it can, it can be a really fun thing. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as I look forward, and I look at the rest of my career, who knows what that'll be like. But um, but yeah, the idea of collabing, the idea of co-authoring, you know, it's not such a scary thing anymore. And and to your point about our books, um, I think we we knew right away when we met each other that we were the right guys to collab with in the sense that mm. like I wasn't gonna try to be digging into your stuff and vice versa. And that like the the trust level was there immediately yeah, because sure. yeah neither of us were were trying to like alpha dog the thing to death um yeah and i think if i was going to collab with somebody again in a book context it would have to be it would have to be something like that you know yeah yeah absolutely no and i think that's really no that's a really good point too because i think there is that sense of trust that you have to cultivate it for i think for a collaboration to really work and to really like have some fruit to yeah. it you know what i mean um you definitely got to have that 
that sense and that, that level of, of trust. Because the other thing I like about it too, man, and, I, and I've always said this to people, especially on, on a, like when you're talking about books mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, books are, books are more based now on platforms and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I like about collaborating on that level is you really get to, man, you really get to benefit from the, per, the other person's like fan base and platform. Yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Totally. And so that, that's one of the great things about it, which is like, especially if you're working with somebody who really has, you know, really operated in some different worlds than you have. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's what a great thing for those people to, you know, come into contact with your work because that doesn't happen without a collaboration. So that's, that's something that I really did. Totally. The totally. Yeah, I do too, man. I do too. Definitely. So dude, I, I have a question for you about like satisfaction in the creative process yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I think, you know, for whatever industry you're in, I I think there's a sense of fascination for industries that you're not in. And, you know, like for me as a writer, as a football player, um, I've always loved music, like always, always loved listening and buying records and just being a fan, dude. And like, I never, I never had any pressure to be a musician. Like, and I never thought of myself as even potentially being that, like my, my parents never made me take piano lessons or any of that stuff. So (laughs) Like for me, it was hitting a certain age. It was starting to buy records and CDs. And I have to imagine, and like my feeling has always been, man, if you can make a great record, that must be really satisfying. You know what I mean? It must feel yeah, amazing to know that you did this thing that was exactly how you wanted it. And my my assumption is people probably also feel the same way about the book business. And to some degree, that's true. But how, like how true has that been for you as a musician, like, is it still really satisfying to think about some of those projects or is there like a diminishing returns thing at play where it's really not like that? Yeah. I think for me, it hasn't really been like that because I think, you know, especially with music, it's incredibly subjective, right? Um, it's more like movie making where I think you, I think it does give you the biggest thrill. So I will say, so let me start off by saying like, I I think the reason why you're drawn to movie making and I'm Mm -hmm. drawn to music making is because man, it get, there is a kind of feeling and thrill that comes with that yeah. because of the emotional content that it is that, that you don't get from a book. Yeah. You just yeah. don't, you know what I mean? And um, I mean, I'm far more excited about getting a new like record in the mail to listen totally. to than getting a new book. Even if it's a book, I can't wait to yeah. read. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't have that same level of That's like, a great point. You know, there's, just jumping up and Yeah, there's something excited. kind of visceral yeah. about it. There's something really emotional about music and movies that even, even a really emotionally like well-drawn you know, book like a leaf anger yeah, thing or, sure. or whatever. It doesn't it, entertain you the same way. It's not instant. It's not instantaneously yeah. entertaining. That's right. That a movie or music. That's is, right. You know what I yeah. mean? And you got to get into it. Yeah. Right. And you know, so you got to sit down, you got to get into a particular space and you know, for, for a movie, man, you, you I mean, you, you grab whatever you like to eat when you're watching a movie totally. for music, you can hop in your car. I mean, there's like, there's a bunch of different ways to experience it. Where yeah, dude, there's a like comprehensive yeah. pleasure points all over the place. Yeah, I never thought of absolutely. that though, but you're right. Like yeah. movies and eating. Yeah. Movies and setting. Yeah, Usually you're with somebody that you love. Like it's a, yeah, it's, it's a collaborative. Real... Watching a movie is collaborative. So watching a movie is Dude, okay, so I want to go in on that for a couple of minutes. Um, and this is showing our age, but whatever. We're honest about that now, so who cares? Um, <laughs> when you and I grew up, man, and, and I want to know if this is true of you because it was true of me. Yeah, yeah. Like the best music moments for me as a consumer were collaborative. Like the most joyful moments of – like I had this cousin. I still have him. He's uh, He's like four or five years older than me. So he was in that like – 
super sweet spot of coolness where whatever he was listening to or watching was like the thing that I wanted to listen to or watch. But I remember having these like marathon listening seshes where like he's just playing records for me and songs and like I'm I'm soaking it up like a sponge. But the point being crazy collaborative experience. Music was communal. Music was like shared joyfully among people. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's that way for kids anymore. Like, and I'm, I'm basing this on the kids that live in my house, but also my college students. Like, I think music is much more private. I don't know that they have those like moments, even, even in the car, right? Even in the car, it's a, it's a list that you've curated. It's not like throwing tapes in and just seeing what kind of what lights the room up. You know what I mean? Um, it's uh, it's headphones and AirPods. It's headphones and AirPods. I don't know. Speak to that a little bit because I think the I think the experience has changed. Yeah, because I think you know. I, I mean, gosh, man, I hate being. The, I hate sounding this data, but it's yeah, just yeah. the reality, you know. So coming, you know, I mean, it, not everybody automatically, you know, not everybody's goal was to just automatically get a Walkman. Yeah, you know, it, which was the which was the the sort of like the the personal, yeah. you know, sort of way of like listening to music and then sort of like doing it. To where nobody else could kind of feed in or collab. Yeah, that, right? yeah. And um, so, yeah, listening to music for me, it was like about me and my friends, like going to the store, buying the record or buying a cassette, immediately getting in the car, popping it, yeah. and listening to it, dissecting it, talking about yep. it, um, or just going into the bedroom if it's a vinyl. We had a record player, putting it on, just sitting around, hanging out. Mm. You know, just, you know, talking, joking around, eating something, listening to the record, yeah. commenting on it. So it was, it was incredibly collaborative. And I think, I think now it's, I mean, it might still be like that, man. I just don't know because I'm not doing that as yeah. much. But when I see, like most of the time when I'm seeing like the youth, the kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, they got like their, they got their Beats headphones on or they got their AirPods in and they're just, it's something where it's like, it's something that's motivating them. Yeah. It's something that's kind of pumping them up and, um, I don't know. It's a little, and we did that too, yeah, you know, yeah. right? But it was, but I do feel like it was more like when I got a new record, my first thought was, I got to get my buddy Rick. Yeah, who am I going to play this for? Together with my brother you know? Jason. Yeah, yeah. We got to hear it together. Totally, dude. Totally. You know? And I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's something of that, but I, you know, it, it seems like, it seems like there's, well, because everything is like a Spotify playlist and there, there might not even be the opportunity for everybody to hear something too, especially if, like if you're just playing everything on your phone, you know, yeah. other than playing it through that really bad phone speaker, which is not super fun, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so maybe that's part of it too, is like you'd put it on like, you'd put it on speakers in a car that's where it sounded good, yeah. right? Or you'd be at home with a record player and you had like a system and like the thing actually like sounded good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that you don't get that with a phone. Well, dude, it's, so it's I, funny you mentioned the Walkman because the Walkman – like in our era growing up, again, being like in high school and college, the Walkman was never a destination. You know what I mean? You got the Walkman for like bus trips or, totally you know, just 100. some like emergency yeah. Yeah, yeah. scenario where you needed music, but you couldn't get. It wasn't your all. It wasn't your everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas it was, now, like, it was a supplemental way to listen to music. It was a supplemental way to enjoy the music. Whereas now the phone is your all. Right. The, it's everything. The phone is your yeah. stereo. The phone is your Walkman. The phone is your like car thing. It's really, and I, I sound a thousand years old right now, but it's, I think it's a really crappy development personally. Yeah. It's not a great development. And it goes back to, I mean, again, we're, we're rabbiting out now, but yeah. it goes back to when music became just purely, you know, a digital medium. Yeah. Um, back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And all that stuff got kind of flipped on its head. Yeah. And so you have a new generation that has grown up with, 
I mean, man, I don't really buy records. I just buy singles. I just buy, I just get songs. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's not about a listening, it's not about a listening experience that includes a record or, or a yeah. series, you know, or, you know, when I say record, I mean an album, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, sure, sure. And, um, but it, but it's more just about, well, I heard that single. I heard that single. I heard that. I like that song. Do you like that song? What does your Spotify playlist look like? Well, it's just a collection of songs. It's not really artist driven. Mm-hmm. It's songs driven. Mm-hmm. And um, that, that kind of changed that it, to be honest, it brought music back to the way music was when rock and pop first kind of like came into, you know, popularity in the sixties where everything was kind of a single, Yeah, you know what I mean? And then, then albums kind of followed that. Mm-hmm. And then the seventies and the eighties were these mat and the nineties were these massive decades for albums. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. um, now it's kind of faded out of that a little bit because it's about putting together your own album of the songs you want. It's all personal choice. Yeah. It's like, you don't care what the artist is doing. You just want to, you just again, it's it's mixtape culture totally. for like for the modern era, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah. but going back to what you said a minute ago, man, like the satisfaction, mm-hmm. um, it was always a struggle because you would have these songs, and depending, it, and it's the same way with writing, and and probably more, more, I would say more with movie making. Like mm-hmm. you can translate those songs a million different ways, and so uh, yeah. what a lot of times would happen is I would have a song, and it would be this big sort of anthemic number. And I would end mm-hmm. up just not doing it the way that the song itself lent itself to be produced. And so when I look back now, I have these songs and they just weren't, they weren't quote unquote done right. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so it's hard for me to listen to them because I just, there's a lot of regret that goes into that. And I think, oh man, you had this really big chorus, but you kind of made it more of a mid-tempo thing. And mm-hmm. you just kind of, you leaned into some other things. You didn't make it as, you didn't go with your gut with this thing. Yeah. Like you should Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got a bunch of records where I listen to a bunch of different songs and all I'm hearing are all the production sort of mistakes, quote unquote, that like mistakes in the sense that I wish I just would have done yeah. it a different way. Yeah. And, um, you know, no, nobody else is hearing that because they're just hearing what it was that you did. Yeah. And all I'm thinking is like, oh man, that vocal could have been, I, why didn't I spend more time on that vocal? And why was the mix like so bad on that song? And, you know, so yeah. that's all I, if, if I even listen to any of my material at all, which I never do, mm-hmm. that's all I hear, you know? So it's actually, it's, it's actually kind of this dejecting, um, dejective is that a word? Uh, experience for me. Dejected. dejected. Yeah, yeah, dejected. Yeah. Definitely a word. Dejecting. I'm not sure, but I like it. Um, yeah, we we just made it up. I think we made it up, so but uh, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm 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 in on that word 100. percent No, I get it, dude. I, I get it. And I think I think movie making is proving to be the same thing where you realize because of budget or time or whatever constraint mm-hmm. you're under. Um, little compromises have to be made, you know. And thankfully, they haven't been huge compromises. We didn't make the movie like about something else or whatever. Um, we haven't had we haven't had to cut scenes that I'm like really in love with. But um, but yeah, I think I think for me watching it will be even a different experience than like KK watching the finished product. Which I think for her she'll be really happy and really proud and really excited. And oh, totally. I will need to like siphon off some of her enthusiasm because for me it'll be an exercise in yeah, like seeing all the. You know, all the little. You'll just see them. As, you'll just see the things you wish you would have changed. Yeah, the things we wish we would have changed. So, yeah, again, dude, as I as I get older in the Lord, and more mature, and hopefully less egotistical, and all that stuff, like I really, I want to be able to enjoy the stuff that we've done. Yeah. You know what I mean? And en- enjoy it on the level of this isn't my be all and end all. I'm not like deriving all of my self worth from this, but yet I am able, like, humbly. To, to actually look at it and say, yeah, that was good. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this. I think that's it. You know, I think that's the key right there. Yeah. When it's not, when you are not putting everything on it, which is a weight that it can't bear anyway. Yeah. 
Um, I think you can enjoy it. Here's a weird one for you, Big T, yeah. is that I think, um, you know, when I look back at even the couple of books that we collabed on, I, I don't think they're the greatest books in the world. And yeah. maybe I shouldn't say that, but you know, man, no. we, we got to be honest about that stuff. Um, but I'm, but when I'm, but um, I, I did what I could do given where I was at in that moment. So totally. that was the best writing I could do in that moment. Yeah. It wasn't great, yeah. but it was the best I had in that moment. And so because I'm a little bit older now, I can look back at projects like that and go, it's just what I had in the moment. I'm okay with it. Totally, like, dude. I would do I would do different today, but like, yeah. but I'm okay with it being where it's at. And I think that's what that spiritual maturity does for you. Yeah. Is it just allows you to enjoy things more because you're just not being so hard on yourself. You're not acting like the whole world, the sun, you know, you know, rises and falls on some you know particular piece of art that you've done. Because when you're young, you think it does. And when you're yeah. older, you you realize that it doesn't, you know, and you're okay with that. Yeah, dude. Then you get older and you realize, like, literally nobody cares. And if they care, they care for, like, 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you have people that appreciate your work, and you actually appreciate the people that appreciate your work. Totally. And you also come to the realization that there, there's a reason why they appreciate it, so why be harder on it than they are? Totally. And they're not hard on it at all. They just yeah. they enjoy it. Yeah, no, completely, man. And that's, and that's a real – it's a real gift of the spirit – I think because a lot of, a lot of aging artists who don't know Christ, like you see them just gnashing their teeth. Yeah. They're collapsing. They're gnashing their teeth. They're they're, They tend to be super bitter, you know, super bitter about like the break they didn't get or the, you know, the editor that screwed their book up or whatever. And, and man, yeah. Like the, the prospect of being that guy seems really scary because honestly, like I can see it in myself. Like I have those, I have those traits and tendencies apart from Christ. Like I could totally be that guy. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's, it's been yeah, nice yeah. to come into this moment where I can enjoy my old books that didn't do very well or that could have been better or whatever. And I can, I can just kind of be glad they're out there, be glad that they paid some bills at a certain time. And, and yeah, like you said, I think you said it really well. Like it was the best I could do in that particular set of circumstances, which really nobody knows about, but us, right. Or the best you even wanted to do. Exactly. Like there's a desire part. It's like, sometimes you're in a place where you have to create a piece of art and there's like everything, everything is, you know, everything is influenced by, you know, you know, sort of the state of your heart within that particular moment. And, and God, God is compassionate. He's a compassionate father. And he's even with us in the creation of our art. And he's in us with the state of our heart during that creation process. And so, man, sometimes you're writing stuff, you're creating stuff, and you're in a weird season of life. And that's going to affect that um, in some unique ways, both negative or positive. And then I think you just, you learn to just be more compassionate on yourself. And I think as artists, um, we lack that. We lack compassion on ourselves. We're really hard on ourselves because we have an expectation that's probably not rooted in in, in reality as much as we think it is. Totally. And so we just go around just being very critical of ourselves. Um, but really, you know, God is not being that critical of yeah. us. He's the one that created us and created us to create art. And then and our and the people that enjoy the work that we do are certainly not at, at all, you know, unless we do something that they're super disappointed in. But yeah. even that is like, well, okay, but there's going to be something else. Yeah. So yeah. this is where I was at in that moment. Yeah. You know, I didn't have the, man, I didn't have quite the energy when I was making this that I did the last yeah. thing. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. I mean, yeah. it's good. yeah. Yeah, you never write these things or create these things in a like 100% perfect environment, right? And I, yeah, exactly. I think that's the yeah. that's the dream you have when you're young, right? When you when you started out making records, <laughs> and I started out doing books. The dream was like, yeah, we'll get this 
we'll get this big advance and then I can just do music all day or I can write all day or whatever. But I mean, the world being what it is like fallen and flawed and broken. Like there, there's always, there's always like physical and emotional intrusions on your ability to do good work. And, and yeah, sometimes, yeah. dude, sometimes like you're just doing the work cause you're a pro and that's what pros do. Like I'm going to write this. I'm going to get, I'm going to bring it in on time because that's that's just what I do, you know. I- well, and I think that's I think there's a validity to that too because I mean, like I've had okay, so I had moments in my music career where I was able to just make records full time, right? I didn't have a day job. I was, you know, I was making a living at it and there was all that kind of yeah. stuff. I don't I don't think I did my best work yeah. in those moments to be honest. Yeah. I mean, so we so like as a writer, you know, you think, "Oh man, you know, I'm just I'm I'm going to go to my I'm going to go to my cabin you know, in, uh, you know, in, in Montana, yeah. you know, and I'm going to look out on the mountains and the lakes. I'm going to, I'm going to write the great, you know, American novel. Yeah. And it's like, dude, there's a lot of challenges with everything I just described totally. right there. You know what I mean? And sometimes this stuff happens when there's, when there's other things, there's other life happening around you yeah. sometimes can create better work. And dude, I've uh, literally, and, and, I've never had that like writer's retreat experience. Like I've never done it. Really? No, never. And yeah. I want to like, but it, there's there's a certain like guilt and self-loathing in me where I feel like if I leave my family I'm abandoning them and like I can't enjoy it anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if they're with you you wouldn't be able to get the Well, work if they're done. with me I can't get the work done. And if I'm if if I'm somewhere else then I feel like a like a heel for leaving them. So yeah, it's a real catch 22, man. I don't know how. Baby, wasn't that I thought that was the France gig. I thought you went there or did you write that after? Dude, I forget what I was even writing in France, but uh, no, France was household gods. Yeah, France was household gods. I did some of that there, but the kids were with us, dude. Um, so you just didn't have it. Yeah, so the kids were with us, and I was playing football. Like I was playing and coaching. That's right. That's right. Which was kind of a part-time gig, um, and I did get a lot done on household gods over there. But um, but yeah, like the kids were young. We were in a we were in this great little like uh, cabiny cottagey thing. It was awesome, dude. The whole thing was like yeah. legitimately awesome, but it wasn't like just hours and hours of private writing time, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Dude, the closest I got, man, this is funny. This, this happened like three weeks ago. Um, so we've got a little bit of property here. We've got like three acres and I've been like, no way. I had no, I had no idea you had some acres. Baby, you got to come see it. You got to come see the acreage sometime. And so I'm, so I'm out there, like I'm, I'm going all grizzly Adams with a chainsaw and like deforesting and I'm on the tractor, you know, which dude, I know man, total, you have a tractor? Yeah, kind of departure from the from the from the old ethos, but uh, but I'm really getting into this. Baby, stuff. I feel like I don't even know you right now. Well, I know, dude, team. I know. So I'm getting into this stuff, and I'm going all crazy on these on these like trees and weeds, and I developed this insane case of uh, of poison ivy. Right? Oh, this is a few weeks ago, and it's it's all over me. Right? And um, yeah, we were supposed to go have this little overnight with uh, with some family in Nashville. Um, the whole family is going to go and long story short, I was so miserable from this poison Ivy and there were a couple things at the house that needed to be taken care of. KK was like, I'll just go and you stay here. Just take care of the stuff. Take care of your, you know, your issue. And, uh, and, and baby, it just so happened that I had just like finished a movie script that I was about to turn in and it gave me like a 24 hour period to just print the script up, read it over in like total silence Mm-hmm. And it was kind of magical, man. It was kind of magical. I'm not going to lie. Like I made some revisions to the script and I felt like, I was just like, this is what writers. You're like, I, I need to be the guy in the Montana. Camp. Yeah, I know, dude. And, and like, this is what writers in movies must feel like. 
Because whenever you watch a movie about a writer, it's always this like little lithe, willowy hipster guy in a sweater and like a, a great pair of glasses. Yeah. And he's going to his cabin in Montana to like be creative. And uh, totally. I felt that for a minute, dude. I, f- I, got, to, I got to feel that, which was really yeah, nice. amazing. Man. Good for you, oh, baby. thanks, baby. That's great. Yeah. Appreciate yeah. It. Uh, baby, do we have anything else to add on this thing? We're, we're 36 minutes deep here. We said we wanted to go man, short. I feel like... I know. I think. I think if we just cut it now, we can actually do part two. Yes. Uh, down the road. Yeah, because I have. Part I have two. more questions, but we should cut it. Yeah, for sure. Um, again, go to this little bookseller, Amazon.com. Look up the outstanding life of an awkward theater kid. Yeah, yeah. dude, it's a, it's a good little website. Uh, Harvest mm-hmm. House is the publisher. Your boy Ted Cluck is is the author, and uh, you should buy buy like dozens of copies uh, because then it'll it'll allow me to do my next one. Baby, I've got a third book planned for this trilogy. Have we? I I think you told me the title. Yeah. Are you allowed to tell? Our, I'm telling our, it because I want to put the pressure yeah. on Harvest House because I know they're listening. Absolutely. I know everybody at the company is listening. There. Oh, everyone's listening. I got a third graphic novel. It's called The Dog Lives. It's about a boy and his yes. dog, and the dog lives. The dog never dies in the book, and it's just about a nice relationship between a boy and his dog. And, Which is amazing since you're not a dog guy. Like, well, and it's amazing since every like young adult piece of fiction, you get attached to the dog and then they kill it off, which which right, sucks, yeah. dude. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to end that wow. trend, man. With the dog lives, Lord willing, provided Harvest House lets me do it, and um, you can help that along by buying the second one, baby. This has been fun, man. This is it's always a yeah, it's always a little little different feel, little uh, kind of enjoyable, without pipe, a little more introspective, yeah. but. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we love Pipe too, man, and we and we wish him well we as he's out solving the world's problems. We hope he's able to eradicate COVID and end racism and you know, just I think he's doing I think he's well. doing both those things actually. Yeah, um, he is. I feel I feel good yeah. about it, man. I feel bullish on Pipe ending both of those problems in our culture. Yeah, I mean as the brother of Abraham Piper, how would you expect any love? Do do you know the brother? That's the question. I don't know Abraham at all. I'm just totally Oh, joking. you're joking around. Yeah, you're just joking around. <laughs> I was like, Do you know that guy? Because I don't. (laughs) Uh, Baby, we've done what we always do on this program, in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some topics. And until next time. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.